Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We're studying the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're still in His Greater Galilean Ministry. We're uh, we're uh, probably within the first year of His ministry, maybe the first half of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. We're not sure as far as the dates are concerned, uh, but we're, we are speaking here, and we are in John chapter 5, and we're looking at uh, the witness of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we ended up in verse 30, uh, actually the verse uh, last, uh, let's see, uh, verses 27 through 30, where uh, Jesus talks about uh, the judgment of God that's been placed into his hands, and he talks about how that the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves will hear his voice and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Now we couple with what Jesus said with the revelation of the Apostle Paul that this uh, coming is going to be in two stages. First, it's going to be the rapture of the church. And secondly, it's going to be the second coming of Christ. And so truly, we have in both instances how the graves will be open and all that are in the graves will come forth. Amen. Praise God. And so we're going to take uh, this session and we're going to be talking about uh, the authority that uh, God has given Jesus to be uh, the judge. And we saw that uh, in verses uh, John chapter 5, verses 24 through 30, uh, we, we saw and we read such things that Jesus said about he that hears and believes has eternal life. Amen. See, that's a judgment. If we hear and we believe, God judges us faithful to receive everlasting life. Amen. So before we begin, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus. We praise you in your holy name and we give you thanks and honor and glory. Now, Father, we just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us today. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it. Glory for it in Jesus name. Amen. And then Jesus goes on in verses uh, 25 and uh, verse 30. And he talks about that there's coming a day where all that are in the graves will hear his voice. Now, those that are born again are going to be raptured. They're going to go into the presence of God and in the seven years that uh, the saints of God are celebrating the marriage supper of the Lamb, the earth, uh, primarily Israel, and of course the Gentiles also, are going to be thrust into seven years of great trial called the tribulation. And at the end of those seven years, Jesus is going to return to this earth, going to set up his kingdom for a thousand years, and then it's going to come, then there's going to come the final judgment. Amen. But the thing that we need to know today is that you and I, as believers in Christ Jesus, we are going to pass through three judgments. Now, the first judgment we have already passed through. The second judgment we're passing through now. And of course, the third judgment is yet to come. Now, the first judgment that believers have passed through is the judgment of sins at the cross. Amen. That's where you and I got saved. That's where we were born again. Amen. That identification that took place on the cross becomes real to us. Amen. 
When Jesus was on the cross, you and I were on his mind. Amen. And so through the operation of God, and this really is what the operation of God is, is that we are then identified in Christ's death. We are identified with him in his burial. And we are also identified with him through his resurrection. Amen. Now, Paul said this over in Colossians chapter three. He says, if ye are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, not the things which are on the earth. Then he says this. He says, for ye are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's talking about the identification that we have in Christ. Jesus said this. Speaking of uh, his uh, time of ministry in Ephesus, he said that he died daily. He died daily, continually working, amen, keeping himself separate and dead to the world so that he could be alive unto God. Amen. So this is a very important point. And then, of course, Jesus goes on in these last few verses and gets to verse 30. And then he begins to talk about uh, the final judgment. And of course, we want to talk about these things today because uh, we, we have to understand and recognize the fact that, uh, that we are and have been judged. Our sins have been judged at the cross. And of course, we receive new birth because of that. But now, as a result of that judgment, we pass into a current judgment we, where we are continually judging ourselves concerning the sin that is in the world. Now, many of us, and I would say all of us, uh, have had trouble in this area because we've done things that uh, we came to realize are sin. And the reason why we committed that sin is because we didn't judge ourselves in this life concerning that sin. Amen. And so there is the work of sanctification that takes place on the inside of us as believers. God, the very moment that we are born again, God translates us from the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. That is that separation out of the world. We become in, we are living in the world, but then we're no longer of the world. Amen. God has separated out us out of the world into the kingdom of his dear son. We're placed into the kingdom of God when Jesus Christ is the head of that kingdom. He's the one that's seated, seated on the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. And actually, we have. Uh, been raised up and made to sit with him in heavenly places. That's where our authority is. Our authority is at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. So we're down here on earth. Uh, we've been given the name of Jesus. Amen. And we are to overcome. Praise God. So self-judgment is a good thing. And it's part of the sanctification process. God has sanctified us. He is sanctifying us now and will continue to sanctify us all the way up to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we continually judge ourselves. We continually examine ourselves to see whether or not we're in the faith. Amen. So and that should be part of our prayer life. Will we take a moment? We examine ourselves. We ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us anything that we may have done that we shouldn't have done or anything that we're not doing that we should do. Uh, 
we're more at fault for the sins of omission than we are the sins of commission. Amen. And so it's amazing how that when we allow ourselves to be judged and uh, allow ourselves to be examined, to examine ourselves, to allow the Holy Spirit to examine us, uh, and, and we do that, it creates such a powerful witness and such a powerful experience in our life. And so that's the way that we are to live every day that we're here on earth. But now there is coming a time where either we go by way of the grave or we go by way of rapture, there is coming a time where we're going to have to stand before the Lord Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. But this judgment is not going to be uh, pertaining to whether or not we enter into heaven because we'll already be there. Amen. This judgment will be for rewards, whether or not we've done the things that God has called us to do. Amen. So uh, Jesus needs to find us working. He needs to find us busy about our father's labors. Amen. Praise God. And if we do that and if we're faithful to do that, amen, we will be rewarded. And notice that the kind of rewards that Paul describes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 are rewards of gold and silver and precious jewels. These are the things that that uh, the rewards that uh, that that we receive because we've done the will of the father. And then, of course, Jesus, uh, Paul also describes uh, other the things that we do. Uh, it's called wood, hay, and stubble. Well, all of this wood, hay, and stubble, all of that will be burned up by the fire of God. The fire of God is going to test our works. Amen. And, of course, the gold and the silver and the precious jewels are all going to pass through the fire and they'll be purified. Amen. And even those uh, believers who haven't done the Father's will, but yet they, they truly are the children of God. They're just they have not followed what God desired them to do or the works that they did were not really works that uh, were approved or, or blessed of the Father. All of that's going to get burned up. But yet the scripture says, yet they shall be saved yet so as by fire. So the fire that will destroy their works, the reward, is the same fire that will sanctify them and enable them to go into uh, the eternal state. Uh, that's just the mercy. That's just the grace of God. Amen. That is such a tremendous thing to contemplate. Of, and also it should be a comfort to us. And the reason I say that is because there's so many people in the church Amen. That have to deal with condemnation all the time. You know, the devil beating them over the head or false teaching, beating them over the head. Trying to convince them that they're just not good enough and that God is such a hard taskmaster that he is just going to beat them over the head. And none of that is the truth. God loves us through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We love the Lord Jesus. Can we say that truly? In our heart, I love you, Lord Jesus. I love the work of God. I love the Lord Jesus. Amen. And that love, amen, because we love the Son, the Father loves us. Amen. And there's nothing that he won't do for us. Amen. When it concerns his plan and his purpose and his will. Amen. Praise God. And so that final judgment at the Bema seat of Christ is going to be for rewards. Amen. Now, no believer is going to be at the white throne judgment 
and that uh, John mentions in Revelation chapter 20. No believer is going to be at the white throne judgment. Death and hell are going to be delivered up and they're all going to be judged according to their works. And John, said, and John says this, and death and hell shall be thrown into the lake of fire. That's why it's so important for us to be positive, strong witnesses and uh, for us to speak God's record of his son and testify to the world about the wonderful things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to read to you a portion of scripture that Paul wrote to the Philippians. Notice this is very familiar uh, scripture, but it, it speaks to us today. <coughs> Excuse me. John, Jesus, <coughs> Paul says this, Jesus being in very nature God. See, and that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about Jesus' own testimony of his equality with the Father. Jesus, being in very nature God, didn't consider his position within the Godhead. This is the John Dunning Loose translation. Consider his position within the Godhead a thing to hold on to. In other words, he wanted to take upon himself human flesh he wanted to come here. He wanted to minister to us. And that's exactly what the scripture tells us. Amen. He humbled himself, taking upon himself the likeness of human flesh. He humbled himself. And then he humbled himself by what? By submitting to the will of the Father. Amen. See, you humble yourself by submitting to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same spirit that was in the Lord Jesus is the same spirit that's in you and me. He humbled himself, became obedient unto death, where, whereof God highly exalted him, given him a name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Notice this, of things in heaven, of things in earth, and of things under the earth, and every tongue shall confess uh, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Praise God. That's talking about the ministry of Jesus on earth. It's talking about his crucifixion. It's talking about his resurrection, talking about his Lordship, the fact that he's coming back today and all of his enemies amen, are going to have to bow their knee to him. Aren't you glad you bowed your knee to the Lord Jesus without being forced to? You did that willingly. Amen. How many in the scriptures, how many in the gospels, when they saw Jesus, even the devils, they ran up to him and knelt before him. I tell you, there's something about the majesty of Christ that causes us just to fall down upon our knees. Amen. Humble ourselves before him and love him with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. I tell you, that is a powerful, and I'm talking about a powerful indicator of the wonderful things that God does for us. Amen. Simply because we are the children of God. Amen. Simply because we love him with all of our heart our mind, our soul, our strength, everything that is within us, praise God, we do that because we love him. Amen. But now there is a fact, and these are facts in the scriptures concerning 
the, the coming of the Lord. Now, you and I, we're going to one day, we're going to have to stand before the Lord Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. But there is something that is going to precede that coming. And that something is the rapture of the church. Now, notice uh, Jesus mentioned this in John chapter 14. Notice he says, uh, uh, John records, beginning in John chapter 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Notice, once again, Jesus is speaking of his equality with the Father God. Amen. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Now, how do I know that this is a reference to the rapture of the church? Because what John records in Revelation chapter 19 about Jesus coming, amen, on a white horse doesn't fit this. And also, John records that the armies of God are going to be coming with him. Well, uh, part of that army are the saints. They're coming back. We're coming. We're going to be coming back to earth with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, John, uh, Jesus here is talking about coming to receiving us, that where he is there, we will be with him also. Praise God. So. It's obvious now, taking the scriptures, that the coming of the Lord is going to take place in two phases. Number one, the rapture of the church, and that's going to be before the tribulation begins. I know there's many out there preaching in a mid-trib and a post-trib, but, uh, but I don't believe that that is what the scripture teaches us. I believe that the rapture is taking place before the tribulation begins. And one of the reasons why is because the tribulation is going to be the time of Jacob's trouble. It's going to be that time where God begins to deal with the nation of Israel, bringing them, finally bringing them into bowing their knee to the Lordship. They will look upon him in whom they pierce. They will mourn for him as one who mourns for his only son. Praise God. Amen. Israel shall be saved. That's what Paul said in writing to the book of Romans. All Israel shall be saved. Praise God. And of course, the second phase of the Lord's coming is his coming at the end of the tribulation. And that's described over Revelation chapter 19. Amen. He's coming to deal with the with the Antichrist. He's coming to deal with the false prophet. He's going to take them and throw them alive into the lake of fire. And he's going to take Satan. He's going to bind him and throw him into the abyss for a thousand years. Amen. Jesus is going to rule and reign upon this earth for a, a entire millennium. And in that time, he's going to take everything that sin has tr attempted to destroy. He's going to turn it around and he's going to heal. He's going to heal, be healing the nations. He's going to be healing this world. Praise God. Uh, people are going to only know in that thousand years, tremendous bliss. Praise God. And then, of course, Scripture talks to us about how that Satan is going to be loose for a season. He's going to go out and deceive the nations. Uh, he's going to stir up an opposition to Christ and his rule. They're going to attempt to go to Jerusalem to overthrow the king. Fire is going to come down from heaven and consume them in a moment. And then we're going to go into the eternal state. Amen. Where the curse will be no more. Sin will forever be removed. Every, every tear is going to be dried 
and then we're going to go into in a perfect uh, in a, a perfect state where uh, it's like what Paul mentioned in writing to the Corinthian church. He says, "For now we 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 know in part, now we prophesy in part, but then we shall know even as we are also known." In other words, the full revelation of the things of God, amen, and of the future is all going to be real, revealed to us. It will all then be common knowledge to us. Amen. Praise God. And the reason why we only see through a glass darkly is because in, in this life we're, we are committed and commanded to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. And so I want to take just a few moments and I want to talk about uh, five points concerning the rapture of the church and why we should be so excited about that day and that time that is approaching. Now, we don't know when the rapture is going to take place. All the things that are coming upon this world today uh, just uh, helps us uh, to desire and to look more closely of the time that is coming. And uh, many, many are saying that we are in the last days. Well, we really don't know that. Amen. We have a may have a sense or a feeling of that, but we don't know that. But while we're here, we're working. And while we're here, we're staying clean. Amen. We're staying separated from the world. And we're always doing those things that are pleasing into the Lord's sight. Praise God. And so the rapture does talk about the Lord is coming. Amen. Hallelujah. And we don't know the day nor the hour that the Lord is coming, but we do know this and we believe the scripture that says the day is coming. Praise God. And of course, the second thing that we need to understand about the rapture of the church is that uh, we, the believers, are going to be resurrected. The dead in Christ are going to be raised. Amen. And then we who are alive and remain now, some people say that that word remain also means survive. And, uh, you know, that may be true. And I, I'm not going to dispute that. Uh, the, the timing of uh, what some people say uh, the rapture is going to uh, take place. That's that's the part I dispute. But notice that uh, we shall be changed. We are going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump. The trump shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise, and then we, amen, will be changed. And we'll meet them in the air, and we'll ever be with the Lord, praise God. So, believers are going to be resurrected. Those that remain are going to be caught up. We're all going to be caught up together, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah, praise God. And we're all going to be gathered together unto the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's the third thing that we get to look forward to. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, the fourth thing is this. Those that are left behind, they're going to face tribulation and judgment. And those seven years are going to be a hard time. I mean, when you think about communist nations, how that their technology is so advanced that they can track simultaneously billions of people that are under their thumb and know exactly where people are. What do you think it's going to be like during the tribulation period when Satan has seven whole years, amen, to find the people that he considers enemies and have them exterminated or liquidated? Amen. What? Just, just think back of what Hitler tried to do with the Jews. 
Well, he wasn't able to catch all the Jews because back then they didn't have the technology to do that or to know that. But we certainly do today. Uh, there is technology today that uh, the government, if it wants to and maybe track every effort, every place where we go, uh, the government has the technology to track us, to, to know everything we say on our telephones, to know what we're watching on television, to know what we're doing on the Internet. I mean, the government knows. Amen. Now, what do you think is going to be like in the tribulation period for those that are left behind? Notice something that uh, that Paul wrote to the uh, Thess Thessalonian church. Notice he says, but of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord is coming as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Amen. See, that's not talking about the church. The church will already have escaped. Amen. God has promised that we shall escape the corruption that is in the world. Amen. But unfortunately, those that, that are not in faith, those that are not doing the will of God, and we're talking about people in church, that they just joined the church. That doesn't mean that they're born again. That doesn't mean that they know God. Amen. Jesus said this. He says, you must be born again. We have to be born again. No man that is that is not born again will see the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then, of course, the fifth thing that we want to see about the rapture of the church is this, that we are to comfort one another with the these words. Now, there's no doubt at all in my mind that uh, hard days are ahead. God has granted us a reprieve. And I thank God for that. God has granted us a reprieve. And during this time of reprieve, we are to work for the kingdom of God. We are to work while it is day. The night is coming when no man will be able to work. And during this time of reprieve, we work towards revival, praying for revival, talking to people, talking to neighbors, talking to those, representing Christ. Amen. Praise God. Getting out into the public square. And being a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And those in the church that are being persecuted, uh, comfort them. Amen. Help them in any way, shape or form that we can. Why? Because the next great event is going to be the rapture of the church. And so we as believers are to live our lives today looking up and waiting for his return and be in joy about it. Amen. We have great we have a we have great excuse to have joy. Amen. We have great promises. Amen. We have every reason at all in this life. Amen. To be a joyful people. Amen. Christ, he may come today. That's how we live. We live with the idea of an imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. And we can trust him, the Lord Jesus, to be our judge because he is a righteous judge. Praise God. Amen. Father, we bless you today. We thank you, Lord, for the encouraging word that we have uh, from you. 
And we trust you, Lord. Hallelujah. And know that you will always do what's right because you are a God that is impossible for you to lie. And you will always judge and do what's right. And we thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.